My name is Dr. Tram Jones. Starting in December 2019, my wife and I lived in Haiti. Recently, given the current insecurity, we are out of the country, but we continue to support and work with our partner clinic, Lesquati Moon, with its 53 employees on the ground in the city of Quadibouquet, Haiti. Toto only works at night when the darkness can hide his identity. Toto isn't even his real name. For some people in his profession, even their wives don't know what they do. Because of the necessary secrecy, contacting a man like Toto can require a web of middlemen to obscure his identity. But Toto is not a gangster. He's not a hitman. He is a bayaku, the Creole word for laborers who clean out latrines in Haiti. In Haiti, working as a bayaku is often considered shameful, but there are always men to do it. In a country with almost no job opportunities, it pays better than most. Let's talk about latrines for a second. For those that don't know, a latrine is essentially an outhouse, a concrete-lined pit with a hole at the top. The concept is that by defecating in the pit, as opposed to the open, it is much less likely for microbes to leach out into the rivers and the water supply. Unfortunately, though, once the pit fills to the top, it either has to be locked up or it needs to be cleaned out before you can use it again. And most outhouses are cleaned out by hand in Haiti. You could call an expensive company, or you could call a freelancing bayaku. Each night, a bayaku team arrives at a latrine. For a job, they need at least three people. The first person climbs down into the hole. He'll often strip naked to avoid contaminating his clothes with the stool. He pours lavender floor cleaner into the pit to loosen up the stool. He then steadies himself, standing in the softening excrement, and begins to scoop it into a bucket attached to a rope. The barefoot worker is at the mercy of whatever is mixed in with the fecal matter. On the night the AP News service followed Toto, there were razors, rocks, sticks, even a discarded handgun mixed in with the mire. Getting a cut from a razor while wading in open sewage is a recipe for infection. The second man stands above the hole, pulling up each filled bucket. He then dumps this into old empty rice sacks, which are carried by a third man to a waiting makeshift wheeled cart. The bayaku can clean out the equivalent of a 13 by 13 foot room filled to the brim with waste in two or three nights. The workers can make up to $30 per person per latrine. That's a lot of money in Haiti. When the night is over, they take a bath by pouring a bucket of water over their head. Even despite this, People in the community that know their profession avoid them like the plague. But if this process is so common, how does the Haitian sewer system work? Or, put more bluntly, does it work? Port-au-Prince is one of, if not the largest city in the world without a sewer system. Some of this goes back to history. Haiti gained its independence in 1804, more than a century and a half before the decolonization of Africa. In many of its comparator countries, the wealthy colonizers had at least attempted to build a system for their own use in their own part of the capital city. In Haiti, there was no such system before independence. Throughout the country, most people use latrines. And this might seem bad, but the alternative is often worse. Some 25% simply defecate in the open. And sewage is an important topic, especially as it relates to health. First, improper handling of excrement is a primary contributor to diarrhea in children. 
Every year, an estimated 3 to 4,000 children under the age of 5 in Haiti will die from diarrhea. And when we did surveying in the mountains around our clinic, we found that 32% of child deaths were due to diarrhea. Diarrhea and malnutrition form a deadly circle, a downward spiral. A young child will get diarrhea from an infected water source. The bout of infection will cause them to lose weight and reserves, leading to malnutrition and a poor immune system. This, of course, makes them more susceptible to the next bout of diarrhea. And when they get that bout, they're weaker and they have less reserves to fight it off. Eventually, one of these episodes will lead to their death. Waste management is also important because of a word that is dreaded across Haiti, cholera. In the months following the devastating 2010 earthquake, Nepalese UN soldiers were deployed into the central plateau of Haiti, next to Haiti's most important river. Shortly after arriving, cholera cases, a disease that had never been seen in Haiti, spread down the river and blossomed across the country. The germs were traced to a strain found in Nepal. Over the course of the next years, nearly a million people caught cholera and almost 10,000 died. As this epidemic spread, Haiti built its first sewage treatment plant just north of Port-au-Prince. And let's be clear, this is not a beautiful plant where the pipes from the city all merge and go into the plant. Please don't get that in your mind. This is simply an area of land that is lined where bayakus and companies can dump the stool that they pull out of latrines. The goal is to prevent waste management companies from dumping stool into the many open canals that run throughout the city. For individual freelancers like Toto, given the lack of availability of trucks, transporting the stool to the plant is more a wish than a reality. To add to this, the sewage plant is separated from the capital city by the territory of the most feared gang in Haiti, the Katsun Maozo. Open canals are ubiquitous as you drive throughout Port-au-Prince. They are universally filled with trash, pigs, chicken, and excrement. On hot days, they are often on fire, providing a hellish backdrop as you drive through the poorer areas. And they help to explain the demographic spread of the city. The rich often live high above the city, along the sides of the mountains that surround the valley. Now, a part of this is because the areas have cool, clean air. But there's another reason that they've moved to these higher altitudes. As the old saying goes, and I'll say this medically, stool rolls downhill. Every day, some 53,000 gallons of human waste are dumped into the ditches and canals of Port-au-Prince. It's no coincidence that the poorest slums, particularly Cité Soleil, are along the coast where all these canals meet. When the rains come, the canals become rushing rivers, frequently flooding the slums with dirty water filled with excrement. These slum areas are not only covered in stool because of floods, but also because they cannot afford to clean out their latrines. The cost to clean a latrine, often up to $100, is prohibitive, even when neighbors pool their resources. And so, when they become full, many areas have the latrines simply locked up, and the inhabitants are forced to defecate in the open fields. This stool then mixes with the stool from the canals to seep down into the water table and also out to the open sea. There are many organizations that are working on sewage and water in Haiti, and the issue needs a lot of money. To put it into perspective, New York, which already has a fully built-out system, spends $1.4 billion per year simply on sewer maintenance. That amount is half the national budget for the entire government of Haiti. And there are so many working parts here. There are organizations that drill wells. But if the water table is contaminated by sewage, 
This alone cannot change the situation. There are those that build latrines, those that clean out latrines, those that work on hand hygiene and food safety. To tackle such a large problem with the lives of so many children at stake, we need all the hands that we can get. A half mile from my home where I'm recording this is the Atlanta Sewage Treatment Plant. It discharges clean water into the Chattahoochee River, which flows just down the street from me. When I flush my toilet or take a shower, I almost never think the intricate system of pipes that spider out from this treatment plant to every home in the city of Atlanta. What a miraculous system, almost unbelievable in its scope. And as we reflect on other countries and strive to do our part to help, let us also be thankful for the conveniences that we have. Thank you for listening. Every Wednesday morning, we publish a new narrative from life here. We are simply telling stories as we've seen them in Haiti. But Haiti is a fascinating country with a rich history, and there are many Haitian voices that can tell the story of Haiti in all its facets, and we encourage you to seek them out. As we made this episode, some names may have been changed to protect confidentiality. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends or give us a rating wherever you find your podcasts. To learn more about the work of Light from Light in Haiti or to get involved, visit us on the web at lightfromlight.me. Thank you and God bless.